Lucky Lefty Nation. What's goody? This Friday, we are live right here on the Lucky Lefty Podcast YouTube channel. Thank you so guys so much for chiming in, waiting on us. I am Sean Davis at SD2Mics, of course, the original Lucky Lefty himself, that dude over there, Malik Zaire, that overtime Malik. We are featuring and brought to you by Anora Whiskey, that premium American whiskey. Go to anorawhiskey.com, get you something to sip on as you watch the Fighting Irish each and every Saturday, especially if they take you through the ups and downs of this season. You need something to ease your nerves. You might as well go to anorawhiskey.com and get yourself some of that premium American whiskey, Anora whiskey. So let's check it out. Navy midshipmen come in. Two and six on the season. Not one of the best teams for Coach Ken. Uh, they beat Central Florida. They beat Tulsa. But they, they struggle to score. And we talk about how they like to play keep away. They've struggled to play keep away this year because they haven't been able to extend drives and the running game hasn't been at the place that we can expect from the Navy midshipmen. So I know, number one, we thought it would be cold because we always still felt like that Navy brings the cold with them when they come to Notre Dame. That's right. It was going to be mid-50s this week. It's not bad. So, man, everything's shaping up. 21 points Notre Dame is giving away on this line. 21 points. And Notre Dame is plus, is a minus 142 on the money line. Mm. But, they, see, this is tricky because that over-under is sitting right at it about 58. But the thing is, I'm liking the over. In this game? I'm liking the over. I'm thinking okay. when our backs are against the wall, we usually answer the call and knowing that we got to score points. It puts a certain expectation or pressure on us to get it done. Yeah. I think we'll be able to do that. Now, as opposed to other games, I don't think that – I think in particular for this week, it's emphasized that we score. Obviously, every week you want to score, but when it, when the challenge is that being the priority and that being the number one thing to accomplish, that's something that I think is going to propel us to get that over this week. Yeah, effort is the key being able to compete because you know Navy is not going to give up. They're going to keep going. That's their mentality. They don't care how bad they are. They're going to compete. And at some point, I just don't see Notre Dame just dominating from the first snap. You know, it's going to be a tough game, and Notre Dame eventually, because of disparity in talent, more than likely is going to end up winning this game. I don't know if they're going to cover the 21-point spread, but I do see them coming up with a comfortable win. Yeah, I think uh, this is a perfect game for Jack Cohen to do what he does best. He won't be under attack from the front seven of the opposing uh, team yeah. this week in particular, so he'll get a chance to really show his leadership and his veteran ability to just be uh, to execute when they're supposed to and not have silly or goofy mistakes. So once again, Notre Dame and Navy face off 3 o'clock p.m., Central time is 4 p.m. Eastern time. Oh, man. You know, we do a lot of previews, man, and we dig deep. It's really – this is really surface, right? There's mm -hmm. no – you don't have to get too deep in this game, right? Right. They're going to try and keep the ball away, minimize your opportunities on offense, force you into turnovers because they want to force – they're going to keep the ball in front of them 
force you to methodically work the ball down the field. And the big plays you think might be there, they won't be there. You have to be comfortable checking it down, going to your second, your third option if you jack cone, which means the offensive line has to be able to protect. And this Navy defense is going to shift a lot late in the clock and prior to the offensive snap. That could leave them open to a lot of gash and runs if they shift and get out of their gaps. Kyron can bust and probably get back to that 200-yard mark in this game. Yeah, Kyron is going to be able to do his thing. I think, if anything, he's getting stronger as the year goes on, which is a good thing for us. Yeah. And then defensively this week, I think the linebackers will have their best game in terms of this is a game that fits their skill set the best. They don't have to chase and, and, and find people all all over the place and, and pass coverage. They can play their gaps, and they can be physical in those gaps. So I think those guys, especially our linebackers this week, are going are going to do really well. And then J.D. Bertrand, our guys, will make a lot of tackles. So this is a perfect game for the, some of the things that we felt like we struggled with defensively uh, from that linebacking core and that secondary. It's so crazy, man. This Navy team, despite being 2-6, made history when they defeated Tulsa. Yeah, They were able to win a game without completing a pass from the quarterback position. That's crazy. That's crazy. That hasn't happened since 2000. And that's so, a shame. That's a shame on Tulsa. But that's it's a shame on Tulsa, but it also shows you the grit of this Navy team and their willingness to fight and compete and just find a way to win. So coming up in a few minutes, before we get to Malik's three keys to a dub and also his clean sheet, his offensive plan going into this game, we have a special guest. Man, I don't want I hate saying former when you talk about greats at Notre Dame, because there is no former. This is like yesterday, now, and forever. Yeah. This Notre Dame great Reggie Brooks is going to be joining us shortly. We're going to talk about his book, If These Walls Could Talk, chronicling what it was like. Being a player in the Lou Holtz era and the connection for all Notre Dame football players going back before the Lou Holtz era and continuing on to the Brian Carey, Brian Kelly era. It's a great book. Go ahead and grab it right now. He has an event. He's going to be at Ham's Bookstore this weekend prior to the game. Get the book, and then you can also get the book signed. We'll give him a chance to talk about that. I can't wait to jump into the particulars of the book as well. I've only read excerpts, but I want to give it a chance to finish it and possibly have him back on at a later date to dig deeper into some stories. I want to ask him about what it was like. One of the things that connects players, he talks about that, that they all have the same experience at Notre Dame. One of those experiences, the dread of Navy week. You talked about it earlier this week, Malik, like knowing what it's like to face Navy and what the preparation is like. We'll get to that shortly. The one thing I want to ask you about what Brian Kelly talked about in his press conference yesterday, he was disappointed that Notre Dame came in at 10th in the initial rankings for the college football playoff. You echoed that sentiment as well on our college football playoff show on Tuesday night. Why do you think they came in 10th? Because we got a lot of, lot of backlash, not a backlash, but comments from our fans on both sides of the coin for this. So why do you feel like it was a disappointment? Well, a lot of it is because of the linking between us and Cincinnati and then Oregon and Ohio State and their yeah. link and how that's important. You can't put Ohio State any higher than Oregon because they beat Ohio State. Yeah. You can't put Cincinnati any higher than uh, – I mean, you can't put us any higher than Cincinnati 
because they beat us. So, and they already don't respect Cincinnati. So, of course, we're not going to be in favor when it comes to that. So, right off the gate, if Cincinnati's six, we're not going to be anything higher than six. <laughs> That's just how it goes. So, really, because they don't like Cincinnati, we're just we're tied to them for the rest of the to the playoffs. So, right there, you're only choosing from four other spots or three other spots. And then when it comes to that, the Michigan, Michigan State, because Michigan State is so ranked so high, yeah, Michigan's linked to them. So because they lost in the way they did, and they're still a hot team right now, Michigan can't be any lower than us or can't be any higher than us. So now it's just like I think Coach Kelly just felt disrespected over Wake Forest, that Wake Forest was above us because everybody knows that we will beat Wake Forest straight up. So if he's, he's upset about one spot. <laughs> yeah. Well, we talked about that, man. We talked about the fact that Notre Dame stacks up very well against most teams in the top 10. You know, maybe Georgia and Alabama, but other than that. Other than that, we're, yeah, we're, we're with those other teams. Oh, absolutely. So at this time, we're pleased to be joined by our special guest, definitely a Notre Dame legend. Look, I've watched this guy. He probably has – this man probably has two of the most incredible runs in all of Notre Dame history and probably two of the most incredible plays. When you yeah. talk about the snow game against Penn State and when you talk about his touchdown run against Michigan. Legendary. Legendary. And every Notre Dame player knows about it. We welcome Notre Dame legend Reggie Brooks to the Lucky Lucky. <laughs> podcast. Mr. Brooks, welcome to the Lucky Lefty Podcast. What's up, fellas? Sorry about the noise. I'm actually over here. I was outside. Uh, I'm at an event over here with the Olympians. At Literally, somebody came out there just as I was The one thing we know about Reggie is that this man will be working. He's working. Sorry. He's always, always pushing the brand. Now, it, it's crazy because, like I said, I'm up here for Notre Dame, got the book signing. Um, you know, I, and you kind of talked about I had a lot, of, to, a lot of opportunities to connect with some of our former athletes. And one of the things we do is we bring back all of our Olympians and, and host them for a weekend. And it's, this is that weekend for our Olympians. And actually over here, uh, just off campus, speaking to a few of our uh, Olympians that competed in this past year's Olympics. So, um, but here I am, you know, ask away. I know you, you kind of talked about some questions you had, uh, you know, and like I said, Malik knows, like I said, I, again, I'm, I'm going to shoot it to you straight. Well, let's get into it. You talk in this book, if these walls could talk, you talk deeply about how tough it was to play for Lou Holtz. And, and once again, Notre Dame just got a big commitment from a kid named Drake Bowen this week. And uh, one of the things that was tweeted out Im immediately by Brian Kelly was graduating champions. And that seems to be linear throughout whatever coach is the coach at Notre Dame. That seems to be the message. And you went back and you talked about how tough it was to play under Lou Holtz, but he made you men and gave you lessons that touched you and gave you fruits of your labor for the rest of your life. So just talk about that relationship with Lou Holtz and also your relationship to Holtz Heroes. 
Well, my relationship with Coach when I first got there was sheer terror. I mean, you know, he, he ruled with the uh, iron fist, very much a disciplinarian. And I, and I say this, you know, again, I came from a very a, a family. Again, my mom and dad were very big on doing things the right way and, you know, being disciplined. You know, that, you know, I, you say that now and discipline a lot of times is kind of a bad word in this, this day and age. But that was the one thing that kept me from from quitting. You know, and that was the thing with Coach. He he's gonna he's gonna let you know where he, where he's coming from, and it's just like Notre Dame. You're not gonna change Notre Dame. You're gonna adapt <laughs> and, and develop. And again, somebody said something to me, uh, Mike Haywood, some time ago. Notre Dame is not is a great place to be from, not necessarily to be at, because it takes discipline, focus, commitment, and a sense of purpose to get through it. You know, and again, I, I don't, you know, I don't, I didn't go to any other institution, so I'm not going to cast dispersions on anybody else. I just know playing at Notre Dame, and I heard this from guys I, I talked to, you know, like a Alan Page or a John Lujak or, you know, Malik Zaire. There's this common thread of a level of commitment and purpose to, to compete, compete at a high level and be the best and go against the best. And, you know, those are the common threads that coach talked about. I said, Hey, you know, there's no, there's no, there's no easy way out. Yeah. You gonna have to work. And a lot of people see the Saturday afternoons, but they don't see Monday through Friday, the level of commitment young men have to take, have to go through to, you, cause you got to go to class yeah. and you got to get put in the word. And I always tell Notre Dame is not for everybody. And if you're not willing to commit to being the best, both both athletically and academically, you're not going to survive. This is not Plain and simple. Plain <laughs> and simple. You won't yeah. survive. And it's best that you don't come here. And and that's okay because it's, it's not. Notre yeah, Dame is not for everybody. And Malik knows better than anybody. I mean, and then you take on being again. I was a running back, so I was in one of the. That was the other thing about Coach Holtz. He believed in running the ball. He would always say. There are three three things that happen when you throw the football, and two of them are bad. <laughs> so <laughs> I knew coming in, I was going to get some opportunities to, to 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 carry the rock. That's right. Now, why Rick Meyer came, I kind of questioned that because <laughs> we, we threw the ball a little bit more when, when Rick got here. But that was about yeah, it. Yeah, when you when you got a coach telling you <laughs> if you throw more than one interception. <laughs> he won't throw another pass. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. That's yeah. it. And he, he, he'll let you know. I, I remember games where, you know, quarterback throw, throws a pick. We did not throw the ball again for a whole half. Mm -hmm. And he meant it. And you knew it going into practice. You better come in and be ready to work. Right. That's right. So, I, you know, and, and I talk about that in the book. And, again, it's about relationship mm -hmm. and the relationships that were developed. And again, Coach and, I, Coach and I didn't see eye to eye, eye to eye on a lot of things. And but he told me coming in, he told a lot of guys coming in, a lot of guys won't like me. Some of you will hate me, but you'll thank me after you get that degree. That's right. That's and right. that always stuck with me because he was not. You know, people see Dr. Lou on the ESPN, and that man was in your behind twenty four seven. And you know, you know, our kids now they want to get to know their coach. I don't want to have to go talk to Coach Holtz. Yeah, nobody. If, if, if I had to go talk to Coach Holtz, 
it's either what did I do wrong or what does he know that I I don't know and how bad is this going to be? So you go in there with a mindset of you got to play the percentages. How much does this man know and how bad is it? And will I survive? (laughs) And it was about survival. And you, you look back and I think now about, you know, all the guys that I came through with and, you know, the Tony Rice's, the Ricky Waters, my brother, you know, Chris Zorich, you know, Todd Light, Aaron Taylor, Tim Ruddy. I mean, like just from my era, Rocket, from my era, we had like six guys that are in the College Football Hall of Fame right now. You know, that's, that's you know, and that, you know, you look at that and you know, you're talking about that in the book, about the relationships and what I was able to get done. And it wasn't just me. And I can't express this enough. I was just talking to Aaron Taylor yesterday and he was like, you know, I said, what do we, what is, this is about you. And I talk about you because that, that man helped me out of a lot of tight spots. Cause again, when people are chasing you about to take your head off, I remember on a play, we're down, he blocking downfield as a teammate. I kept my head on the swivel because AT was coming. And with yeah. a bad attitude, he was coming to lay people out. So I'm going to keep moving just so I don't get taken out on the same play because he's right. coming to take somebody's head off. And that was every week. And the level of commitment that these, our offensive line had, I never got hit in the backfield. I didn't know what that was like. You yeah. know? So, it, no, I said, that if, you, if somebody split a double team, they're going to catch it the next week. Straight so up. I, I wasn't worried about my focus was always on the second level, the linebackers and the safeties, because that's who I knew I was going to deal with. Because the guys up front, this is a wrap. They done. We we every week we know that front four, front five is going to be handled. And that's a that's a blessing to know, man. And it's, I'm telling you, when I was back there, protected by Quentin and Ronnie and Mike McGlinchey and. Nick Martin, all those guys. I just knew that all I had to do was just do my job, and I was good because we we were straight in the front of the trenches. Yeah, and that's it. Just that was my thing. Just do your job. That's right. And I and I do want to ask you know commend on the book. I gotta give me a copy for sure. But why now? What what got you to to put it out now? And and what motivated you to put it all together and with all these stories and put it out right now? It was really the pandemic because, again, you know, with the pandemic, everything shut down. And a lot of my role was focused on our former athletes and getting them back in the community and the connectivity and keeping them connected. Well, we couldn't do that. And I found I had some time on my hand. But the biggest piece of it was when they came to me about the idea was the fact that I'd be working with John Heisler. And John Heisler was the SID for 40 years here at Notre Dame. So he knew firsthand a lot of the stories, a lot of the trips that we went on, you know, because like I said my first game at Notre Dame was in, in uh, Giant Stadium in New York against Virginia. Yeah. I'm like I said, fresh out of Oklahoma, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and your first game is in a pro My stadium God. in New My York. Yeah. I mean, and, and all the stuff that goes along with it. The, and then the fandom, you know, I, you know, I, you, you kind of know Notre Dame has a fan base, but that Subway alumni is real, man. And it just, and so 
just being able to kind of reflect on a lot of those stories and a lot of those trips, you know, being able to travel around the country, you know, and share those experiences with guys that, you know, I look back on now is like, you look at them, you know, they're hall of famers, you know, great players, but mo the most important thing is great people. And, and then I saw that commonality between guys from the sixties and seventies, the same connection between the guys from the, 90s and 2000s it was like wow there's there's something there there's a connected spirit that's there and it just you know an opportunity to kind of talk through it talk about it and tell those different stories and those different relationships that you have in the books and the different coaches you know talking to guys that played under Leahy played under you know coach Holtz played under Eric Parsegian and you know coach Kelly and you know some of the struggles of the coaches that came through here you know, uh, Bob Davies, you know, you know, Tyrone Willingham, we talk about that, that limited time that he was here, you know, what happened? You know, because I was here during those times and you see in uh, the Charlie Weiss era, you know, yeah. there were some, and I, you know, I talk about, again, it, there's a common thread between those championship coaches and those players because of what they learned and were taught while they were here. And, it was just interesting to hear the stories and just how connected they were from one, from one era to the next. And it's like, Hey, you know, we got, we're in a pandemic. I got some time to kill and I got heist that got my back. So I, I felt a little more comfortable doing it mainly because of uh, heist being the, the ghost writer, if you will. Man, I have a question. Both of you guys can chime in because in writing this book uh, and just listening to you talk, it seems like it was very cathartic very therapeutic for you uh, during that time, during the pandemic, and, and kind of a reminder of how special the family you're a part of is. And I think sometimes you get away from your playing days and you get into a building a life. Sometimes you forget how special the family is that you're a part of. So what is it about being a Notre Dame football player and part of that family of Notre Dame athletes and you talked about how strong the alumni is. Like, what makes it so special, you know, to be a part of that family? Well, for me, it was about family. You know, I remember, like I said, come from Oklahoma. You know, I was being recruited by Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, the Texas schools. And I remember, again, back then, you know, until some of that to this day, that's back when they had the Big Eight. And, you know, they were they were – dispersing uh monies to different times to come and participate in the school dispersing but the, the <laughs> so i just remember my mom saying you can't buy my ch child and this started with my brother and it, it it was notre dame when coach Holtz came he didn't he didn't talk about he didn't even talk about football mm. he talked about the education you you receive and that like I said my mom's ears perked up immediately and talked about life after and we started to hear about people from our hometown that were Notre Dame alum that were notable individuals that we had no concept of because again you know back then Tulsa was very segregated you know you had the black side of town white side so I didn't know and even to this day I have a relationship with multiple big time donors that were from my hometown and not because, you know, I was some hotshot football player. It was because I went to Notre Dame and, you know, you talk about the dorms and 
the single-sex dorms. We'll say, you know, was not a big fan as a student, but being a father of three girls, daughters, love it now. Would love to see my daughters come here. But it was that family atmosphere and that connectedness with, with the community. And then Notre Dame was so small. I thought Notre Dame was this huge place, but it was such a small community and that connectedness, it felt like, felt like family so you know that extension of you know i was going to be you know several hundred miles away from my own family and that was a key part of it is that just getting to know people that would look out for you not you know here not to necessarily give you anything but you you knowing people outside of football that that were from my hometown it made a big difference because you know they knew what it was like they knew what it was like being there because I got to tell this one deal, when I got to Notre Dame, I was wearing boots, cowboy boots, and, you know, I was rocking my Oklahoma vibe, and I used to catch a lot of crap. And, you know, you know, because you got kids from all over. So, all yeah, over the world. I had people, like, you know, kind of riding me, talking about, do you ride a horse and buggy to school and yeah. all this kind of – it pissed me off. And, you know, I had my people from Oklahoma that were, you know, you know, they's like they have had their boots on, so you kind of you kind of had that community from home that you kind of connect to when you were catching a little heat. That that definitely helped me out. So the family vibe was huge for me, and just the community that really helped me get through my time here. Yeah, you, absolutely. For me, and along with the family opportunity, I mean, you're talking about some really really good guys that you're around and you grow up with. I, I was on a, a different team in Florida where, you know, I got some good friends from there, but the brotherhood that you build and the relationships that you build on the team and outside of the team at Notre Dame, they even last to this day. I mean, I'm still talking to my whole team almost that I played with, and that's four or five years after. So getting a chance to be around some genuine people you really form relationships with throughout your whole life you know, in business, his friends, is whatever, it continues on. That's something that you really take take to heart that you don't get until you graduate because it, it's, it seems so real when you're there at the time, you know, because you're going through the same things. And then the other part was just the opportunity, getting a chance to play all over the country, play against rivals every week, every week being <clears throat> something a little bit different. It's something you don't really get as a challenge. You know, when you talk about not made for everybody, to go to Notre Dame is true because you got to be able to do it mentally and physically. You got to be able to challenge yourself on a discipline level. So it's more uh, of a, a self thing where you have to be disciplined in yourself to take on that challenge at Notre Dame and then to compete. You're competing with everybody across the world. It's not like you go to Ohio State where 80% of all people from Ohio State are from Ohio. At Notre Dame, you get a little 3% here, 3% there, but you get a kind of taste of kind of where everybody's at. So that puts you in like a microscopic world of competition at the highest level, and that's on and off the field as well. So let's get to it. Let's talk about this edition, 2021 Notre Dame, getting ready to face off against Navy. When you look at this program, Reggie, how far away is this program from – that national championship trophy, in your opinion, I again, I, and I hate to say it, you know, it hurts me to say it, but I, I just we're just not there, 
and it's it's hard for us to get there because of the 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 depth that you need to play at this level. You look at Georgia, you look at Alabama, you know, Ohio State, you know, they have the opportunity to bring in guys, especially now with this portal situation. I mean, we have talent. Don't get me wrong. But again, it's hard. You got everything has to come fall into place. Because I was I was thinking about this last year with the offensive line we had last year. If we had that same offensive line this year, I don't think we lose. I think we're in a lot better position, but we just don't have all the pieces in place at one time. You know, we, you know, you look at got a dynamic running game, but the struggles we've had this year is because our offensive line just hasn't been able to, to get movement. You know, when in the running game, you need to get movement. We struggle in the passing game because we can't really drop back and do five step. And Malik, you can think, you know how this is. If, if, you know, you don't have those two seconds that you're supposed to have and somebody's in your face, you know, our offensive line is struggling. And that was a, a strength last year. And you look at us defensively this year, we're stronger, we're better. You know, so you I just don't think we're in a position yet. We just got to get all the pieces in place at the same time. And that's just hasn't come. We just haven't been able to put that together where offense is complimenting the defense, defense is complimenting the offense. I mean, hey, we we're starting to get return games. So the special teams is a plus. But I think Dorn is he's done after this year. You know, so you got to have. All the everything has to fall into place and almost perfectly for us to have success. And if you have injuries, that that derails. I mean, and that was part of with the offensive line. You lost two two left tackles in the first two weeks of the season, and you're back to square one. So it's it's you know how do you? And we don't have that that level of depth because we don't cycle through athletes. You know, I, to be honest with you, like I said you look at the SEC, you know, Big Ten. They'll cycle through athletes because if you don't get it done, you'll be you'll be moved. Move, they'll move past you and move you out, and you know bring somebody else in that's gonna get it done. Notre Dame's not gonna do that. It's like, hey, you, we committed to you, whether you're hurt or not. That commitment is there, so they're gonna stick with that. So I just, I, I it's hard for me to see us. We're close, but we're still. You know, because last year was Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama. And we're, we were right there. We were on the cusp. This year, I think, again, we're, we're back that second tier. We're still in that second tier again from, you know, being that we're just not at that level to have all the pieces in place to be that championship-level team. Yeah, I mean, we talk about it all the time on the show, the Lucky Lefty podcast, the difference of what we are. I feel as though it's like we're Earth compared to Mars. Yeah, we're the next planet to the, to Mars, but we about 5 billion miles away, you know, from being there. And that's what it feels like at this point, only because a couple of things. One, you just need a generational talent at this position, at this school, at the quarterback position, because – it's the one piece that just feels like is missing at the end of the day because we we just can't have because we've seen the formula of what has what it's looked like and what guys have looked like being able to accomplish that because a lot of those guys are playing every Sunday, you know. So 
you see what it takes and what level you have to play at at that position, particularly if you want to see consistent success in winning the championship. Now, we Alabama has three guys that are playing in the league currently. So it just shows you that, okay, yeah, Alabama's got a lot of good defensive players, but so do we. Yeah, Alabama's got a lot of good receivers, but so do we. We had Chase Claypool, you know, like for a couple years and during those playoff runs. So it just shows you that, yeah, we got a lot of the same pieces until you see that quarterback position, and it just isn't where it should be. And for a top five program of all time, we should be grabbing Deshaun Watsons and and Trevor Lawrence's and and even Zach Wilson. I even take Zach Wilson in college, maybe not the pros, absolutely not in the pros, but for college, yeah, I take a little Zach because I mean, you know, Zach, he looked all right. You know, he, he did some things that was that stood out. So we need to got that position to stand out. And then other than that, yeah, the offensive line. It's not the, the the Hall of Fame all-time great front five or six that we've had been accustomed to the last almost seven, eight years. I mean, it's been a long time we've been successfully putting out great, great, great linemen. So, yeah, this is a, a, a shocking reality that, yeah, we can be normal too at that position. So I don't think those guys are – necessarily doing bad but those expectations are hard to reach (laughs) it's not easy to just go out there and be like yeah let me just go ahead and replace a ronnie stanley and start block even with blake fisher's injury that's still him coming back is as great as it is it's still a challenge when you're living up to mike mcglinchy first round ronnie stanley first round zach martin first round that's a hard thing to live up to at 18 years old and a lot of those guys are around that age so Mike McGlinchey, Chris, uh, uh, Quentin Nelson, exactly. Z- uh, Nick Martin. I mean, in 2015, yeah, that was, was an all-pro offensive all line. Pro, I mean, yeah, all-pro, yeah, all-pro in the board. NFL, yeah, all-pro all in the Like literally the whole, the whole offensive line, all-pro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come so, on now, yeah. What do you think you, about that? So there's nothing, there's nothing that I can sit there and be like, oh, you guys are not like them. Yeah, yeah duh. You can't, you can't even buy guys to be that consistent like that. You know, those are just something that we struck gold on. So for us, the offensive line is going to get better, but I'm going to tell you what's going to make him look even better, a superstar quarterback. Because a superstar quarterback can hide all of those faulty things that we may have, just like LeBron James. He can be able to put it all together. So if we get us a LeBron James, basically, (laughs) we can win the championship. Have serious, but serious, you know, like good green. <laughs> Once again, we have the legend Reggie Brooks here on the Lucky Lefty podcast. We're going to allow him to talk about his event. He'll be signing his book, If These Walls Could Talk, this weekend at Ham's bookstore prior to the game. And also, we want him to dig into his role at Hope's Heroes and the philanthropic work that they do there. Great work. Now, I, I just have some fun. You know, we spend it different here on Lucky Lefty Podcast, Reggie, so I got to have some fun with you. you. know, I tell people all the time as a fan, like, you guys play. I'm just one of those Notre Dame super fans that grew up idolizing you guys, watching you guys play on the field. And, you know, I tell these new age uh, Notre Dame fans, I tell them all the time, you don't know what you're missing, man, because, you know, you guys only get to see the game. Like, they've built, like, a visitor tunnel for the Byzantine to run out of. I'm like, dude, I used to wake up and watch the pregame show just to see the fight in the tunnel. 
before yeah. they came on the field, like especially in the big time games, like that's give me like your greatest tunnel moment from being at Notre Dame, like your greatest tunnel moment when you guys are face to face with a team getting ready to go on. The field. Well, oh my, can you hear me? Yeah, we got you. One that's not in the book. One that's oh, not man. in the book. Oh, sorry, my daughter just called. I was have to say the USC fight, my freshman year. Because <laughs> you know the, the year before they had to fight with Miami in the tunnel, I right. was actually at that game. You know, this is my senior year in high school, so I came up for a visit, and then come back freshman year. And you got to understand, and Malik's are like we got guys all over the country, so yeah. you got to understand yeah, we had a bunch of Florida guys, bunch of Cali guys that played with the guys from SC, played the guys from Miami. So you know, you you go know, church. This thing about it. You don't disrespect the tunnel. This, that's our tunnel. You roll up on us, okay, we're not going to start nothing. We damn sure we'll finish it. So, and we had some guys across the country that, you know, were not from the greatest neighborhoods. You know, you had guys from Compton. You had guys from Southeast D.C. You had guys from Broward Day, you know, Jersey. I mean, Detroit. We, we had some guys that, that, that you know, if you want to go there, we can go there. We don't have we don't, guys that, said, that was one that we never physically got beat. That no. was never gonna happen. <laughs> that was like the Todd Marinovich game, right? I think that was the Todd Marinovich game, right? I think I think Hello? I think it was. Can you hear? I'm struggling. I don't I can't hear you guys for some reason. Oh, you can hear us now. Phones. Can you hear us now? Uh, he still can't hear us. Yeah, hopefully he'll reconnect, man. I, if I, I remember, we talked about that during USC week. I, that game was like the Todd Marinovich game, and I told you that was one of my favorite games. That '89 game that started with that fight in the tunnel. You know, and so it's crazy. Hopefully, we can get Reg back to talk about that because. Marinovich, as a true freshman, was talking big trash on the field during that game. Yeah. Big trash. And I'm like, go out and back who is this kid? Yeah. Talking crazy. Reg, Reggie, can you hear us? Can you hear us, Reggie? Uh, I think he's going to come back in. So, yeah, man, this is just, man, one of those things where you get games like that, and as I said before, bro, yo, we need that vibe. That's what that vibe has to come back. And I know the brand, you know, you like the brand, you like for the brand to be clean, but like Reggie just told you at the height of the program under Holtz, you had cats. But that's the thing. Holtz Holtz had a lot of guys that was on the on the edge, you know. Of uh, a lot of things that happened at Notre Dame under Lou Holtz that and, would never, ever, the ever, 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 ever happen at yeah. today's Notre Dame football. So you'll you'll never get the edge that Lou Holtz had with that team because the things that they got away with will get canceled with today. Yeah, you know? sorry so, about that, fella. So you just got love technology. So I, <laughs> I, I, and they always say if you, if it goes wrong, just reboot. That's right. That's right. So we were. I was saying when you mentioned that '89 game, that was the Todd Marinovich game, if I'm not mistaken, because Todd Marinovich was this much heralded, 
you know, freshman quarterback, and he was talking big trash during the game. Oh, yeah. Like, boy, he was talking big trash. And I'm like, who is this freshman running his mouth? Hey, I got to give him his props. Actually, I, I like that. I, I mean, USC, Notre Dame, all-time great rivalry. So it's going to be a lot of trash talking. And, again, that was one of the reasons I came back for that game, just because it was USC, Notre Dame. No other reason, you know, had great to have a book signing. But, again, Notre Dame, USC – <laughs> classic it's gonna yeah. come down to it every 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 week so look malik on on the show and off the show man i've had to listen to this dude talk about the dread of navy week he was like oh my god like we just all hated navy week man because we knew what was coming it was totally different than any other game on the schedule was that the same for you guys what have God like said for uh, when you've been uh, going through uh, hazing or not hazing, but like, you know, you, you, fraternity, like hell week, that was hell week. And like I said, I, when I played defense, because you got to understand, Navy, they don't quit. Like, you know, you can be rolling them, beating them down. They, and if you don't slip, if you slip up, they're going to get you in the fourth quarter. You have got to play Every down, and again, it's drilled into you. Coach, coach was always on our behind. This was, like I said, literally. And it's like, you know, you hate to say it, but it's like, dude, it's Navy. We're like, yeah. we outweigh them. We're physically better, t- more talent, but that discipline and that commitment and that no quit attitude. I hated Navy. I hated Navy week. But I have respect. I respect the hell out of Navy because of, again, what they do. And again, you talk about football; it's a game. But these cats have to go. They play football, and they got other responsibilities way greater than what we have. And I always had just such great respect for that to come out and play, and knowing that you, good chance you're gonna get dominated. But you come out and just that level of discipline and commitment. You know, I'm. I'm. I'm a Navy fan through and through just for that reason. And again, we played other, you know, we played Air Force, you know, my time here. And, but I mean, Navy, they're a whole nother level, man. And, I mean, and again, just the way they play, I, it's hard. You can't put it into words. And then you have to go through that week because they're cutting. And I play defense, they would, like, <laughs> they're cutting all the time. And I get, I, I have to say, you know, they, it's kind of got a borderline, kind of borderline illegal, you know. But you know that's that, I'm I'm not gonna go there right now because that that pisses me off because they they cut they do the high low and they never get called for it. But that's a whole nother story. I'm gonna let that go. But I just know that week you had to prepare like nobody's business because you knew they were never gonna quit and they're gonna bring it for four quarters. Four quarters. Well, Malik, I guess you were right, bro. I'm like, man, you dread Navy's like, yo, you don't understand, yeah. man. It's a different mentality to get your mindset for that game. And yeah. that is, it's the mind game. You gotta have your mind right. And they will make sure your mind is right to play that game because if it's not, you you they'll catch you slipping and, and they will come for you. So don't don't get it, don't get it twisted. They do not play. Yeah, and it just sucks because it's like the worst part is that you know you're going to win. 
<laughs> it's not like you thinking like, oh, they might get us because they're really good. It's like, no, we know we're going to win, but it's the it's the way we have to win. It's something you just got to put in your mind early because, like you said, you, you're going against really civilians with a little bit of talent, and they just want to make it hard on you. So if you slack in or you're not, you know, taking your due diligence through preparation, you know, you might leave with a couple nicks that you don't want going into an important week. So that's really for your own safety. You need to be playing the whole game because your ass it didn't hurt for real. <laughs> and let's, 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 let's be real, Malik. Now, Kyle, you 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 had the red shirt on there. Don't don't you know the quarterbacks? They be over there. You nah, know you can't touch them. If you running back, lineman, D line, you know you getting cut. Are you 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 yeah, getting yeah. running to quarterback? Oh, don't touch the quarterback. Don't touch the pretty boy. Let let, right. let them stay. They got to be clean over here now. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. Maybe don't keep it clean. Maybe gonna hit you. So, you know, all, all encompassing though. This is like I was saying. Also, on the other side of the coin, it's a good opportunity for us to get our discipline game going. And for us to start firing on all cylinders, because this is a great week. You can come out, especially if you blow them out, you can show that you've got a lot of execution and discipline and some consistency that can last you through the rest of the season. So it's a good time to play them as well. So Notre Dame, Navy, this Saturday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. And right here on the Lucky Lefty podcast, we refer to it as our network, Reggie. That's how we talk about it. It's our network. We don't even use the call letters. On our network, you can check out the game, 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. You know what? We're going to give Reggie a chance to go ahead and give his clean sheet. What do you think about that, Malik? Let's do it. Clean sheet each and every week. You know, the offensive coordinator goes into each game with a clean sheet. He hasn't written on it. He hasn't scratched it through anything. We'll talk about how he's going to approach this game. With what you've seen from Notre Dame against USC and North Carolina, what is Reggie Brooks' clean sheet? How is he going to go at this Navy defense? Well, again, the biggest thing with Navy is they're going to shorten the game. And what I mean by that is that with their running game, you're going to have a limited number of, 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 of possessions. And from an offensive standpoint, you've got to maximize every possession to be successful and – you know, put them in a position where they're playing from behind. Navy is not built to play from behind. We have to go out, execute, be disciplined. No turnovers is, is key. We cannot give up. Every possession is critical because of the way they shorten the game. Defensively, create turnovers, but stop the fullback. First and foremost, defensively, you got to stop the fullback. That is the heart and soul of their offense. Everything starts with getting them getting the fullback going you stop the fullback you stop navy's offense defensively you know and then we got to stay sharp again this is where again you get kind of lulled into a sleep they'll throw one over the top on you you know if, if you don't stay focused offensively again you know we got to we got to be better in the running game you know and again we we've gotten better back better yards but kyron williams is working my opinion He's having to work too hard. We mm. need to get him cleaner looks downfield, create some seams, and let him just hit it and not have to <laughs> break 10 different tacklers before he gets to the line of scrimmage. So 
keep him as clean as possible and don't turn the ball over. It doesn't have to do anything, you know, dynamic. Just get the ball to your playmakers and control control the clock, control the game, mac- maximize possessions. Once again, our special guest, Reggie Brooks, legendary running back at Notre Dame on the Lucky Lefty podcast with myself, Sean Davis, and, of course, the original Lucky Lefty himself, Malik Zaire. And before we let you go, we want you to talk about the work that you're doing with Host Heroes and then let people know where they can find you this weekend around the stadium with your book signing. I'll be at the Hames Bookstore from 115 to 245. Please come by, grab a book. You know, we'll, like I said, not only we'll sign your book, we'll take pictures with you. Um, and with Hoach's Heroes, it's about the former players and giving back to them and being a support system for our former guys. You know, we, we, you know, Notre Dame does a lot for the athletes, but it's more for the current guys. So Hoach's Heroes is about providing support for former guys and when they get into struggles and difficulties, having a support system there of guys that know what they're going through, being there to support them, being of, uh, of aid to them, and also scholarship, you know, providing scholarships for those that are in, in need, for those less fortunate, and then building community where we're at. You know, that's the good thing about, you know, we got guys all over the country is supporting their uh, the mission of doing good around the country and being there to support our guys where they're at and being present. You know, like I said I also will be working with uh, a group here tomorrow uh, of a, home, a homeless shelter here to help with just providing support and just let God, letting young men and women know, you know, you, you do have people that care about you, that think are thinking about you, praying for you, but also there to support you in any capacity that we can. You know what? I'm going to give you an opportunity before you go. I don't know if you've ever done this, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to be open and honest. You felt like you deserved to be in New York in 1992, didn't you? I mean, you came in fifth, but in the Heisman voting. But you, that that was a hell of a season you had. You felt like you, you should have been there. Be honest with you, no. I mean, be honest with you, wow. it, it was, to me it was down to two guys. Okay. It was uh, Georgia's um, – Call him Smokey, gosh, blanking on his name, but uh, but really the guy that should have won it was was uh, San Diego State running back um, Marshall Falk. Marshall was all I know is the one guy that shouldn't have been there that won it. He, he was horrible. I'm sorry. Miami had a great team, but as a quarterback, Loretta. he 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 didn't he didn't do anything. Yeah. He wasn't the guy. Yeah. He wasn't even the guy on his own team. You know, that was – so Toretta, a great guy, but he was not the man. The the fact that Marshall Falk did not win that – Garrison Hurst was from Georgia. should have been – there was only two guys that needed to be there. That that battle for Heisman should have been out of Garrison Hurst and Marshall Falk. Gino Toretta had no business being in New York and no business winning that Heisman. I'm not saying that I, I should have won it because, again, the numbers I put up were great, but Marshall Falk, that cat was next level. I did go, <laughs> I'm telling you, I went to, I had the opportunity of going to the Doug Walker Award ceremony, and like I said, with, with both those guys. Marshall Falk's football IQ, off the charts. And he was one of the first cats to get, he did it receiving, running, and special teams. Yeah. That cat was like I said, and, and could run like 
hell of a route runner. He understood yeah. the game. I mean, just just that little time I was with him, I'm like, hey, this brother's tough. Yeah. So I don't. I I would say I don't think I should have been in New York, but as it relates to Gino Toretta, yes, I should have been there instead of him. <laughs> I'm gonna say I was just a let, leave that. I, if he was there, I should have been there. Yeah, straight up. <laughs> straight up. So I'm gonna keep 100 on that. But but for me, that the 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 the, the Heisman Trophy should have gone to Marshall Falk. And you know, again, the political side of things. He was a sophomore. Back then, time, yeah. yeah, they you know they play those political games, which I'm not a fan of. And kind of you guys are talking about the, where Notre Dame is, you know, ranked. And you talk about it. You know, Cincinnati is getting – it's just because they're a group of five. They're a group of five because you got yeah. Houston and SMU at 7-1. They get no love. you got two teams in the top 25 with three losses. Come on, man. Come on. So we need to get the politics out of, out of college football. And they've been there for a while. So you got me yeah. all hyped up now, bringing up that <laughs> that deal. But like I said, I'm leaving it that. And like Enjoy. I said, we spent we yeah. spent it different here on Lucky Lefty Podcast. <laughs> I knew I would get you with that one because like, I know he, I know he felt like he should have been there. Hey, again, if 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 your boy Toretta was there, I had every right to be there. <laughs> every, every right. That's right. But like I said, if if he wasn't there, I'd have been cool. Everybody else, yeah, I, yeah. I was rocking with because they put in the work. They did good. They did good. But he, I'm like, dude, he didn't do nothing. <laughs> he did not. He did, his, you go back and look at his numbers. They were a lot of them were against. They were uh, inflated by some some crappy teams they played. But when it came down to it, yeah, he got his behind handed to him uh, against Alabama. They he made did. him look. As, as basic as he is, so I don't have a problem against with him as a, a person, but as a Heisman winner, no, nah, can't see it. Sorry, I man, you just made me look at his numbers. I didn't realize that he did, he didn't even complete over sixty percent of his passes that season. Yeah, and he barely threw for three thousand yards with the talent he had at Miami. Wow. And you got to think, you know, back then you had like you know. Rick, Rick was, you know, he had, I think he had solid numbers, but Ryan Lee. Oh, no, no. Uh, who's old boy was it? The Patriots. Um, Drew Bledsoe. Ble- Drew Bledsoe. Yeah. I'm like, he didn't, ha- he didn't, he wasn't even the best quarterback just from a number standpoint in the country. Right. <laughs> how's he, in, <laughs> how, how's he, up, how's he the Heisman Trophy winner? Come on, man. Isn't this supposed to be for the, to the best college player? Yeah. Not the guy, not the quarterback of the best college team. That's messed up. Yeah, I'm looking at the numbers now. Drew Bledsoe threw more interceptions, but he threw for 300 more yards. He had more completions, better completion percentage, and he came in eight. Yeah. That's, so that's, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. Yo, Charlie Ward came in six right behind you. So that was a, yeah, that was yeah. a great class. He probably was the only <laughs> in the class. I mean, and you look at look at Marshall Falk's number and Garrison Hurst. Dude, Marshall Falk had 265 attempts, 1,630 yards, 6.2 of average, 
15 touchdowns. Garrison Hurst was a monster. They called that brother Smokey. <laughs> Smokey was cold. No, we like I said that running back class out that year. Because uh because both, you know, man, you know, Marshall was a top round pick, and we saw what he did in the league. Smokey was until he got hurt, he was killing it. Right. So no, I said, yeah, that's I'm gonna just let the numbers speak for themselves. So it said right here, we're telling you on the Lucky Lefty podcast that the worst Heisman winner of all time is 1992 Gino Toretta. <laughs> the worst. It's the worst Heisman winner ever. Reggie yeah. Brooks, we thank you for joining us on the show. We look forward to having you on in the future to talk more about your philanthropic work with host heroes and some more Notre Dame football. Hopefully by that time, we'll be in another college football playoff and uh, close to hoisting a trophy. Right. I appreciate it. Much love, fellas. Thanks, love Malik. You, See ya. All right. That was Reggie Brooks right here on the Lucky Lefty podcast. And, uh, yo, Malik, that was a pleasure, man. Once you guys, you grew up idolizing and watching on the field at Notre Dame Stadium to have a conversation and to talk about the great times, man, to hear him talk about that tunnel fight. I told you when we talked about USC week, that was my favorite game. You know, and just hearing him talk about the tunnel fight is great. But then talking about what it is to be in that family for a guy that's a fan like me, of course, you experience it on a daily basis. Yo, that's really special to hear you guys both convey what it's like to be a part of that Notre Dame family. So, but you both dread Navy. So I guess it's real. I guess it's super real, but it you is. You got a witness in the place. But it also speaks to just the generations between us and that we're still able to speak on some of the same things that we've been through together and related to people. And so good to see him have a book on some of the secrets that go on and just continue to support Notre Dame football. For sure. All right. Without further ado, let's go ahead and get to Reggie Brooks gave his clean sheet. What is your clean sheet going into this matchup with Nate? Offense, try to get explosive plays. It's the, it's the game for Braden Lindsay to – get back hopefully and, and, and Kevin Austin and stretch the field, get some big plays that we need to show that we can do, get Jack's confidence up, and then by half hopefully get Tyler in there because we're doing so well. So Tyler can work on his stretching the field and developing his pass game. Yeah. Uh, defensively, we just got to make our tackles when they count and, and don't let the running back get yards after contact. If we can limit the yak, for these running backs, and especially if we know that they're going to be running without a doubt 100% of the time, then there's no reason for us not to uh, put on our big boy pants and, and get these guys three and out. If we get them three and out, we don't have to make tackles all day. All right. Now, we have Malik's three keys to a dub right here on the Lucky Lefty podcast. Give me your three keys to a dub. We need offensively, we need three explosive touchdowns, like – 40-plus yard touchdowns uh, defensively. Or another key to the game is we have to limit Navy's uh, third down efficiency below 40%. And then last but not least, key to a dub, we got to score 21 before half. 21 before half? Before half. And you know me, I told you and I predicted that, you know, the score in the remaining six games when they're on their bye week, we would see the offense go up. You know, they got in the high 30s against USC. They got over the 40 mark against North Carolina. I'm going to go ahead and step out on that limb one more time. 
I'm predicting 40 points against Navy. Oh, shit. I'm, okay. I'm predicting 40 points against Navy. I think Kyron is going to bust. I think Kyron and Logan are going to bust okay. some big runs. Yeah. I think we will get a couple of big plays in the passing game. I'm looking for Styles to pop out. My guy, Styles. Oh, he's, he's going to keep he, Look, that dude's a problem. He's a problem. He he's gonna, a problem. He's going to be a problem at Notre Dame. And when we get a cannon arm, we get a cannon arm guy in there. Yes. I'm excited. Yes. Have we seen Tyler throw past 30 yards downfield yet? I think we have. I would say he hit Michael Mayer down the scene. I don't know. I'm talking about no beautiful go route, fifty plus yard, just on the money. Well, you know what? I know he tried to hit Kevin Austin on a go route on a see, third down. See, we don't. We ain't even seen that the brother that throw. That, yeah, that throw can. was that throw was a lame duck. It was in my in my short time. I at least got my my cannon off. I let 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 oh, let. You got your cannon off the first know. time you stepped on the field as a I'm saying, man. I'm we see that's how teams were scared because we could throw it deep and we could run. Well, that goes back think... to what Reggie said, yo. And I'm glad someone could come on and be open and honest, you know, as a former player about the state of the program. Like, yo, let's just be real. We have talent, but yo, Georgia and Alabama, that's a whole that's an that's entirely a... different level. We couldn't get that talent in Notre Dame. Because those guys aren't Notre Dame type of guys, all of them. They aren't Notre Dame type of guys. And a lot of the Notre Dame, see, this is where you get the split 50-50, right? You have people like myself and you because you're a player that understand that college is just, from a player standpoint, especially now, the high school player now, college is just, a conduit to get to where you want to go. Like these dudes, like look, college in general, though. College, even with your job and everything, it's just a step before you go where you need to go. Yeah, but you know, sometimes that offends the fan base and that offends those that think along the lines of, you know, you get a free education, you know, you get free room and board, you get free meals, you get this, you get that, you know, the brand and the you know, helps you out, helps you get noticed. And it's like, man, kids now have a lot more knowledge about their, their work going into things. And they just don't view it the same way. They don't view that, they don't view that college education and how much it costs as equal to what they provide, what they provide for the brand, and not only what they provide for the brand. This is why I could never, I always believe that God works in mysterious ways, bro. So he doesn't give talent to certain people. And I break it down like this. I am literally the only person in my family that does, that has zero musical talent. Everybody, all of my brothers, my dad, even my daughter have musical talent. I'm talking about write, play, produce, sing, all of that. You know why? You know why God didn't give it to me? Because he knew I would be the fool to leave and never come back to church. He knew, <laughs> he knew. He knew. if I give this knucklehead yeah. any ounce of talent, yeah, this fool is gonna be on the road for the rest of his Acting life. Acting a fool. Acting Acting a fool. fool. Yes. yes, he knew better, bro. He knew you, better. you would go, you would have too much fun. It wouldn't be he, he knew better. better. You know what I'm saying? 
And there's certain things that you just can't get, man. It's just certain things yeah. you can't get. And, you know. I can live with us being good. Maybe no, not phenomenal or great yet. I can live with being good because that way we're getting a guaranteed nine, ten wins. Right. Man. And we keep the check to ourselves. Yeah. And we, we don't have to share it. And on top of that, this is why I said that, bro, to lead to this. God didn't give me 6364 250. Because it'd be too easy. You know what I'm saying? So I can play a D1 scholarship. Because I tell you this, (laughs) I would have known my worth on that campus. (laughs) And if anybody from any other minor sport has said something crazy, I was like, dude, I'm paying for your education. I pay for your education. You need to slow your roll. Don't talk crazy. Let's be real about this. We cast the checks around. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah, yeah. You on the water polo squad, dude. That's right. You ain't bringing no revenue in. We the earners. You talking right. to the earners. You need to pay for me to get a manicure, a massage. You owe me. That's right. I'm paying for your spot. And that's it. That's all yeah. we're going to. So. That's why see God knew better. He knew better. He knew better. Because people's feelings would be hurt. Yeah, that's not what he want right now. I, I would have been that dude. You could don't don't talk to me about that free education. That's that's <laughs> not gonna work on me. <laughs> I'd have came in as a freshman, like, nah, bro. I need compensation, not free education. I compensation. compensation. <laughs> and I dare somebody's parent whose son is on the water polo squad to say something like, "What? Yeah, no, no, I cut your check. Matter of fact, you cut me a check for cutting your son's check. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> education. Yeah, nil me, NIL. right? <laughs> for sure. That's why people have a problem with Kyle Hamilton selling T-shirts on his website, doing his own podcast. It's like, man, back up. Yeah, like, cheer. back up, back up. As long as he his play continues at the level that we expect, I don't care. He can do a podcast every day, live yeah. from the dorm. Yeah, come on there. Come on, Lucky Lefty Podcast, since you had it. Matter of fact, we need to get him on Lucky Lefty Podcast. Yeah, what we hey 14, special agent. Man, hopefully we'll be waiting until after the season to have him on the podcast. He got time now. We might as well go ahead and try to book it early because he he free now. He ain't gonna be free in February. He might, I mean, he might be free free. We we for real. Hey. His knee hurt a little bit more, Kawhi, like Kawhi said. You know, his knee just hurt just a little bit more. Like I got Daniel Wade said, people are lining up to watch the chemistry class do experiments, man. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, get yeah. the heck out of here, man. Look, I'm we glad. We butts in seats. We putting butts in seats. Yo, I'm telling you, man, regardless if I had been on the gridiron or I had been on the hardwood, bro, I would have been talking that ish. Like, right. look at here, man. You don't talk to me about free education. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear none of that. I would have been going to class, getting my A's and B's, but hey, the financial side of it, you don't want to have that discussion. No way. No, especially in Notre Dame. Like, dude, I'm living it. It's not like we're in the SEC and we got private residences, like luxury residences, like five miles from campus. Like, we are in the dorms with everybody else. Like, show me some respect. Yeah, we regular. That meal plan you got, I provide. <laughs> me, me, me. 
I'd have been like just your boy. Me, me is your experience and why you here. Me. I would have been like your boy and Dean Rains on Baby Boy. Like, man, they try to, you know, I try to be a good boy. They just Yeah, they just won't let me. They always want to bring me back. They want to take me back. Yo, before we get out of here, thanks to everybody that joined in today. Thank you to Reggie Brooks once again for being our special guest. As always, the replay of the preview show will be Saturday morning at 9.30 a.m. Central Time. That's 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time on the Lucky Lefty Podcast YouTube channel. You'll get the live replay each and every Saturday. And we'll be here for the preview live at 11 a.m. each and every Friday. Before we get out of here, man, I know you have something to say. You know, because we spend it different. Last night, we both were watching Kanye West on Drink Champs. And uh, I got into it. I'm sorry, man, because, you know, we use the Lucky Lefty podcast uh, Twitter uh, Twitter feed to promote and, you know, do live in-game talk about what's happening. Uh, I'm sorry I used it to get into a debate about the Drink Champs, man. (laughs) You know, I forgot. I forgot I was logged in. That's right. For the lucky right. lucky Twitter feed. And you, you know, got the, people, got the talking. people were talking crazy, talking about Kanye was doing John Legend and Big Sean wrong. And I said, Look, you man. Wrong. He I said, think, he said, you, you're gonna do it, then people are gonna tell you to do it. And he do it every time. He do it every and time. And that's not right. Not right. <laughs> Bro, let me tell you something, man. This is real simple. And, and this is a life lesson, dude. Tell me if I'm wrong. There are certain people say, "I say I come to visit you in Cali, right?" Yeah. And we kick it for like two or three days. And your boys are around, so I meet your boys, right? Now when I come back home, I'm not calling your boys my boys. Yeah, no, no, no. You know what I'm saying? Those are your boys. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't work like that. Now we might be cool. Yeah, we might follow each other on social media. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying. We had, you know, we might cool it up every now and then if we want to talk about something that we might text each other. Yeah, ask a question or just figure something out. But I'm not calling back like, yeah, you know, such and so. That's my boy. Oh, that's my dog. Like, no, no, that's not my dog. So you have to be careful how you place labels on people in your life and you know that is what i was like to tell kanye west like yo john legend was never your friend he was never your friend yeah big sean was never your friend yeah they were your artists all right in my perspective it would make you a little wrong yes they were never your friend you know what i'm saying so i know you hurt i know you said what you said but truth (laughs) of the matter is they're never your friends so we got to stop being loose with these labels, man, right? Don't be loose with the labels. Oh, man, because you have to build up the labels. Now, the quality goes in before the name goes on. You know, you get to a certain level, you spend some time, you get to know each other, and you realize, like, oh, before you know it, like, oh, you know what? That's my guy. That's my guy. That's my friend. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Kanye, you, you learned a valuable lesson. I'm sorry you had to go through that to learn it. And, of course, the guys that stuck around, John Monopoly, his manager from back in the day, back in Chicago, was on Drink Champs a month ago. Nori asked him the same question. John Monopoly said, yo, I didn't rock with what my boy said. 
I didn't agree with it, but hey, you know, he's open to have his own opinion and do what he wants to do. That's my guy. Common said the same thing when he was asked about it. Like, yo, I don't rock with what he's doing. He knows that. I've told him that. But that's my guy. See, your that's friends will come, yeah. your friends tell you to your face. Your friends don't wait to get a platform and an audience to let it be known how they feel about what you're doing. Your friends come tell you to your face, like, hey, that ain't it, dude. Straight up. That's not it. And then when they get to the platforms, they let it be known. I already talked to them about that. There's really nothing to talk about. He knows where I stand. Let's yeah. keep it moving. So, yeah, he learned a valuable lesson. Those are not your friends. Everybody's not your friends. And as a wise man once told me, burnt, burnt bridges lead the way. Yep. Yep. So, man, That's what, it, are, man. what else did you take from it? Man, I just felt like, you know, the honesty was important, especially when I feel no. like sometimes you can name drop and not be so coded. I liked how he wasn't submersive and he talked about being sub. He didn't want to be sub. Let's just talk. Right. You know, and that's an important lesson for all these celebrities in these interviews. Just say it. You know, anybody. I, he said, I get the whole fear thing, but listen, $9 billion, you ain't afraid of too much, man. Just keep uh, speaking the truth, man. And honesty is what we appreciate. That's how you know when Kanye and his right, his right framework when he just speaking freely and, you know, he uh he doesn't look he look healthy to me. He don't look like he's afraid of nothing. And he spoke on the nanny situation. He said, Hey, y'all nannies, I need to protect my family. Y'all crazy. Right. And and that's the truth. So we'll see how it goes, man. Yo, man, I look, you know us. Dude. We promote each and every week. We promote watch Georgia. This is a Notre Dame podcast. But we tell people every week, like, yo, if you want to enjoy watching college football, watch Georgia. Sure. All I'm saying is, if you want to enjoy conversation surrounding culture, life, friendship, and everything in between in music, go check out the interview. Because the way he broke down how Drake does his disses and how he sets it up, yeah, perfect. The way he talked about his relationship, the jewel he dropped about how people use the word rapper. Suddenly, to get certain points across, beautiful. Totally agree with them. Like, yes, yes, they can't use that word, so they use the other word. So, man, I told you, go ahead. I feel like it should have been an extended version. Like, there's some more to it that they haven't released yet. So, I'm excited. Well, I heard from what I heard, they actually sat and talked for four hours. Okay, they only gave us two and a half. All right, cool. They gave us two and a half hours, but they actually sat and talked for four hours. So maybe they'll release that, you know what I'm saying, at a later date. But yo, that got me geeked. Yeah, straight up. That, that got me geeked. I was like, yo, let me hop back, get in this podcast game. As I said before, next week, we're going to have another great guest. We're going to keep giving you dope guests. Always. Because that's what we do. Right here on the Lucky Lefty podcast, man. We spin it different. We just spin it different. Yeah, I know how it go, man. That's how we do it. Let me ask you a question. Are you checking out that new Summer Walker? Not yet. I'm gonna let. No, do you I'm intend gonna... to? I do. I want to let the, the the ladies review it first before I jump on. And now, see, this is the question, man. And maybe you can ask your lady for me 
because I think I know what my lady stands on this. Like, would she think, what, do you think she would look at you weird if she got in the car and found out you had been listening to Summer Walker by yourself? Not that last album. That last album was fire. That was a banger, right? That was a banger, right? <laughs> that right. was just good music. That's just right. good music. Right. But like, you know, you know, I like, think I'm singing in the same voice. Right. But as long as I'm singing in the same voice, it's just good music. Don't <laughs> <laughs> so laugh. I had a conversation with my wife about, like, yo, what's the cutoff for that? Like, yeah, what's the cutoff? Like, I don't think I would ever like you'll never hear me like in the car by myself listening to Janet Jackson. Like that's because what Jackson. she's saying too crazy, you know. And right. you know, you still a guy. Yeah. I don't think I'm in the car listening to a full Mary J. Blige album no. by myself. But you say Summer Walker can get a pass best based upon she, her last she album. has some bars. She has some bars where you like, okay, okay, okay. You're all right. That's like like it's like rapping Nikki by yourself. Okay, you can do that because Nikki got some bars. Yeah, I, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. It's good to see, man. It's this battle. Yeah, yeah. It's good to see my boy Jeremiah from Chicago back on the charts. Drop that that fire single, "Stroke" this week, man. With the actually, he was featured on the "Stroke" single this week. I'm excited to hear that. I heard like the intro really didn't get into it. And then, like I said, man, just the Summer Walker thing is hot in that Kanye West interview. That's what's trending in the culture. And uh, that dude did, like, I'm usually not a fan of name dropping. But it was like real, the, the names that Gay was dropping, I'm just sitting there like, man. Yeah. That's that's a dope world, dude. He, and that's an everyday, you know. He that's kind of like that. That's kind of like you being on the podcast, talking to our fans and talking to me and sitting there like, yeah, you know, the last time I was at Notre Dame, I was standing there talking to Quentin and uh, Ronnie. They're like, you don't even use the last name. You just say say the first Q, name. Q, Q and Ron and Ron the Don. You know, right. Crazy. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, this dude, this dude Malik stunting on us right now. He, he letting us know like, yeah, I was in my vibe. I was with my guys. That's pretty much what, what Ye did that entire interview. And that's like, real. He let it be known. But I'm not with that. Uh, I'm not with the Britney haircut, though. Uh, I can't. See, that Britney it's all, it's all a proven point, though. You know, people going to bite it. That's all. That's the crazy thing, man. Like, yo, and it's crazy because, like, how it's crazy how influential this dude is. And he's sitting there with the leather gloves on, the Prada like joints. And the leather coat, and I'm Tough. like, you in Miami, fam? I know it's hot. Tough. I know it's hot. He uh, he said his house this big. You know what I'm saying? Now, that was a dope concept, dude. Like yeah. tell, like kind of explain when he was talking about that was a dope concept because you get to a point in life where everybody pretty much wants to do that. Yeah, man. When you when you got relationships so established, like you were saying, you got somewhere to go, anywhere you go. No point in having a house because that's what they want you to have. You right. Know, they don't want to live where they can tell them what to do. So it's it's cool that he conceptualizes the concept of having a home and a house as things that that are not something that somebody can take from him necessarily. So 
you know, just expand on that. A lot of us, you know, I was doing that for a while between traveling for CBS and then doing overtime and, mm-hmm. you know, have a lot of places. to go. So I can really relate to it. And it makes sense because it means more to have a relationship where somebody's like, yeah, come in town, stay at my place than you getting a three, four cribs in three different states and you run to rent them out. And that's just a lot to do. So. Um, appreciate his his understanding of that, and he's a nine billionaire. You know, he even said that's he put the funniest thing. He said he put everybody in the group and said, "I have more money than all of y'all." <laughs> <laughs> that's hard. That's he's hard. on the petty train. He's yeah, definitely on the yeah. petty train next week. <laughs> Yay is, is officially on the petty train. The hardest line in the whole interview. He Man, hard. Oh. He said, "I'm I'm richer than all y'all combined." Oh. <laughs> He said, "Oh, something else." He said, "I actually, he said I just opened up. I just started using my Apple Pay. Now it's time for Apple to pay." Yeah, straight up. I was like, and then the, and the other coldest line where he was like, "Man," he said, "My dad called me with a with a business plan." He was like, "Look, all you had to do was nut, man. You got everything." You <laughs> right. And then he was like, he called him and was like, "Look, my whole bank account, whatever I got in there." You can you can use it, right? If you use it all. I'm gonna just make some more. That was that was the toughest That's thing. Hard. That's hard. That's hard. That was a bar. You know what I'm saying that like motivates you, right? Yeah. That's something, you wanna, that's something you want to tell little man. Yeah. You know. I'm gonna just make some more. Right. Whatever I got, I just make some more. That's hard. Yeah. Big Yay fan, man. Big Yay. Man, huge. Look, man. Look. You know. You already know. I'm from the go. I'm from the go. You know what I mean? So I, the, we, we were catching the vibe early before he even moved to the East Coast. We knew what it was, you know, when John Monopoly was throwing, promoting parties and, you know, it was this dude walking around that was this producer and everybody was catching a buzz. And, you know, even when he didn't look it, he was still the most arrogant dude. <laughs> even when he didn't have. That's why, that's why I'm not, I'm like, why are y'all shocked? Yeah. Like, he didn't change. When he got famous, like he was this dude, yeah, before he was famous, almost like he knew he was being prophetic, like, yo, I'm going to be that dude. And you now you're just seeing the manifestation of the work, and everybody's like, Oh, he's too much. I'm like, No, no, no. If you feel like he's too much now, he was too much before he <laughs> even got big, you know, because he had people in the go, like, yo, who is this little dude? Well, man, he had a belief. And it's like for us, it was kind of uh let me tell you for people in Chicago what it was. It was the conversation we needed to hear. Because you have people that grow and evolve, and you feel like you grew up with them, and they get to a space where they make you feel like they left you. And in your heart, you're like, Man, I want you to get back to that dude. I want you to be backpacked. Kanye from the shy that does a lot of samples and, and, and rhymes like this. Shit, what he tell Tyler? He said, if I was you, I'd be where you at. Right. <laughs> he said, look at me, look at you. Right. <laughs> and it's like, man, you know, sometimes you need to have a conversation to free yourself to understand, like, no, I don't want him to be who he used to be. Yeah, he said, he, it's, it's better off for us, the collective. That he becomes who he needs to become. Yeah, and what he said, he said, "Stop playing. I'm not the old, you know. Stop playing with me." What yeah. he said, uh, 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 
always the thing he said about stop playing with me, you know, I'm not the, the old Kanye. Uh, I don't remember part. exactly. I know what you're talking about, but yeah. I don't remember verbatim. But just keeping it real, man. Real, real guy, man. Look, yeah. Man. It's just like, so it was refreshing being a dude from Chicago who kind of had that feeling when he was going through his thing and you see him go through the trials and tribulations and everything going to him personally and mental health and what was going on with his relationship and his family and then what was going on with him musically and sonically, how he changed and evolved. And then, you know, his whole run for presidency and, you know, taking pictures with Trump and how that really kind of agitated people in the culture. At the end of the day, what it pointed out to me is like, we have to be careful that we don't throw out the baby out with the bathwater, right? Because people are going to evolve and they evolve without our permission. That's right. And they it's hard for somebody to change. Man. Yeah. You know, and, and regardless of whether or not you change, if we're blood, if we're friends, we're still friends. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that dude is, he's still who he is to Chicago, regardless of how he evolves. That, that's my point. Straight up. You know what I'm saying? Straight up and down. So that whole cancel stuff because we don't like certain things, you know, man. That's corny. Can't cancel that guy. That's mad corny. Yeah. I don't care. Just people in general, man. Just canceling people because you don't agree or how they think during a certain time period or how they're moving. That's corny. That's corny. Because I'm sure some people people disagree with me all the time on this podcast. Notre Dame fans disagree with me. You know what I mean? But you can't cancel yeah. it, dude. Yeah, because we don't care. Yeah, we don't care. We spend it different. We're going to keep spending it different. You catch it. You catch it. You drop it. That means you got bad hands. That's right. right. We keep throwing up the mails, man. Hey, it's the Lucky Lucky Podcast. This has been your Navy preview show. Uh, And we gave you a little extra on the back end, as we always do. Thank you so much to Reggie Brooks, Notre Dame legendary running back, for joining us, giving us a great interview. Check him out at Haynes Bookstore this weekend. I think it is 135 to 245 right before kickoff and uh, everything he's doing kudos once again to the philanthropic work he's doing with host heroes on that board but my man the original lucky lefty malik zaire at overtime malik sean davis this has been the lucky lefty podcast notre dame versus navy preview featuring honora whiskey and honorawhiskey.com the replay is tomorrow morning as i said before on the youtube channel 9 30 a.m And then we'll see you for the post-game show right afterwards, right here on the Lucky Lefty Podcast YouTube channel. Hopefully it's a blowout and we'll get some youngsters in. I'm telling you, if it's a nail-biter, I'm going to have a lot to say if it's a nail-biter, bro. Yeah, me too. I'm going to have a lot to say. This game should be – this should be one of the games in the Navy series that should be a – man, no doubt. Should make it easy. Absolutely. All right, and next week we'll give you guys not only a slant, but we'll also give you some recruiting updates as well. Big time commitment commitments this past week. Malik has, Malik has a cutting floor coming up as well. All right, we'll see you guys tomorrow morning.